Welcome to the Tree Leaf Zendo podcast. Tree Leaf is a Soto Zen Sangha available anytime, anywhere at treeleaf.org. Come sit with us. Thank you, Jindu, and thank you guys for having the patience and the willing to listen to my my humble ramblings about Master Bodhidharma. And Jindu uh, made us a favor, and, and he put it put put a little statue of him uh, here for all of us to see. And um, I chose to talk about Bodhidharma and especially about uh, his outline. Of practice because sometimes when we study and practice Zen it's very easy to get lost in the woods because there are tons of books we have life to practice with we have our Sangha events and happenings and we have life all over us and to get back to basics, to, to get back to the root of our practice is very, very helpful because uh, the way I see it is that we get, um, we get back to the, to the table and see the map of where we're going, uh, what we are doing and how we have been doing it. And to study Bodhidharma is to study the very root, the, the core of our practice and, and, and our teachings. Um, this text is particularly um, precious because it's maybe the, the only one text uh, that Bodhidharma may have really, really written because um, there was uh, or, or there is a lot of legend around Bodhidharma and, and that's why I like him because he was hardcore. He was a very, very hardcore guy according to legend and I really like that because he was, um, maybe he was a person pretty down to earth and a guy of action, if action is to stare at the wall for nine years. But uh, I mean, not action like in Die Hard movies, but action like in uh, that living the Dharma in, in, in fully with all his attention to the, to the present moment, to what he's doing and how he carries uh, the Buddha Dharma in everything he does uh, or everything he did. Um, it is said that he was the founding father of Zen practice because even though in China there was Buddhism, it was with Master Bodhidharma <clears throat> uh, that they understood that uh, sitting zazen is really important to uh, 
really pierce through all the through all like through all the academy facts and figures and numbers and data we are very very prone to to absorb uh, because we're human because we have this mind that never stops thinking and um, by teaching the value of Zazen, he's teaching also the, the value of silence, of contemplation, and just to allow the knowledge and the Dharma to manifest without us uh, polluting it with our thoughts and with our preferences and judgments. Um, so Lenin says that he was the creator of Kung Fu and maybe even tea. Um, I wonder what they drank before tea in China. Maybe just plain hot water? I don't know, but um, maybe Bodhidharma took tea from India to, to China and uh, that's attributed to him. Um, he was such a hardcore guy that Lenin says that he cut his eyelids in order to remain awake and um, aware of the present moment. Um, so if you feel like a badass because you sat for 40 minutes, Bodhidharma, let me tell you, he cut his eyelids uh, just to keep on sitting, just to keep on paying attention to the present moment. So um, I don't know, that's a little bit extreme. Maybe I don't fully believe that. Maybe he will try to remain awake for, I don't know, maybe 48 hours. But uh, the legend is so cool that uh, he's such a character that uh, he's, he's an inspiration. Um, it is said that he roamed sandals to, to his walking staff and, um, and then he died and for some reason they tried to pull, uh, pull the body out of the grave and they found the other sandal inside the grave and there was no body of Bodhidharma. So uh, I don't know, he was so hardcore that he transcended uh, death and his own body. So, um, but what I mean that he was a man of action, it, it's because um, he understood the Buddha Dharma in a very deep and profound way that remains relevant to this day. And in this teaching, the outline of um, practice, uh, which is also known as the treatise of the two entrances and four practices, um, he reminds us the importance of getting back to basics, uh, regardless of all the books you're reading, of all the teachers you're listening to, uh, of all the insights you've been getting on your zazen, uh, Bodhidharma reminds us that maybe we complicate things a little bit more than, than what we should. And, um, and well, but that's why I chose it. Uh, lately, I've been studying texts, and, and this one is very uh, interesting because, yes, we, we, we are full of things to do, things to buy, places to go. The, uh, 
we even within a practice we tend to forget um, the, our, our main direction we try to forget the map and we get lost in woods so um, I'm going to read um, the paragraphs of, of this teaching and I will comment on them and afterwards you have any question well we will we will um, have a, a, a little time for uh, questions and answers I'll do my best to answering them and <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, the text begins saying, many roads lead to the path, but basically there are only two, reason and practice. To enter by reason means to realize the essence uh, through instruction and to believe that all living things share the same true nature, which is apparent because it, uh, it's shrouded by sensation, by sensation and delusion. Those who turn from delusion back to reality, who meditate on walls, the absence of self and other, the oneness of mortal and sage, and who remain unmoved even by scriptures, are in complete and spoken agreement with reason, without moving, without effort. They enter, we say, by reason. So, Master Bodhidharma says that there are two ways to practice this, um, th this path. Uh, one is uh, by reason and the other is by practice. So, by reason, uh, it sounds like uh, the easy way in because um, he is implying that you have to uh, put yourself in a temple or a monastery to study under a teacher uh, to sit zazen, to study the scriptures, to study the Buddha Dharma, and um, maybe you will get to realize that um, you have to uh, sit and train hard in order to understand the true nature of life, which is the oneness. And there are hundreds, if not thousands of books that talk about the about oneness and wholeness and we've been uh, trying to explain to ourselves for millennia uh, what the hell is oneness and uh, here's the, the value of uh, practice by reason is that well sure you can read a lot of books and texts and, and listen to, to, to teachers but it's when you sit zazen, when you practice um, in a dedicated environment, and and, and we, when you are uh, disciplined, that you can get to understand what oneness is, um, what uh, is the true nature. Uh, you can let go of delusion by training, uh, and, uh, and and having this intellectual approach to a practice which will end in a very uh, or in a spiritual approach or realization of what oneness is and the true nature of the Buddha Dharma um, and that's fine but nowadays I don't think we have the chance the time the money 
to just uh, um, go to a mountain and uh, stare to the wall for nine years or train under a teacher in some monastery in China. We have our, our lives here. We have uh, to deal with our jobs. We have to put food on our table. So it's very hard uh, for someone to go train uh, the way they used to in the times of Bodhidharma. Um, I read that to take refuge in Buddha Dharma Sangha back in the day was literally because you would seek shelter in a monastery or in a temple because times were very harsh and very violent. So you would go to seek refuge and study under a teacher because that's how you protected yourself uh, from, from uh, the violence in, in the world. Uh, nowadays, we look for refuge in Buddha Dharma Sangha, but it's more like um, metaphorical and uh, a spiritual concept that we have to find in our own lives. So, um, doing the way they did back in the day, it's maybe hard, although not impossible, we still can um, realize the Dharma and, and this practice by reason. But then there's the um, other four practices um, to um, realize the Dharma by practice. That's how Bodhidharma put it. And there are four actions or four practices and they are uh, suffering injustice, adapt adapting to conditions, seeking nothing, and practicing the Dharma. Now that I think of, the, of this, it sounds like a Jundo's teaching. Uh, and that's for a reason, that it's not, not a coincidence. Coincidence? Yes. Um, so Bodhidharma tells us about to uh, by practice. He says, first, injustice. When those who search for the path encounter adversity, they should think to themselves, in countless ages gone by, I've turned from essential to the trivial and wandered through all manner of existence, often angry without cause and guilty of numberless transgressions. Now, though I do no wrong, I'm punished by my past. Neither gods nor men can accept it with an open heart and without complaint of injustice. The sutras say, when you meet with adversity, <clears throat> don't be upset because it makes sense. With such an understanding, you're in harmony with reason. And by suffering injustice, you enter the path. Suffering injustice. That's a harsh word. We don't like injustice. And um, we've come to create a whole civilization in trying to avoid injustice. Uh, but in this text, Bodhidharma tells us that um, maybe injustice is not that bad of a thing when you practice the Dharma. And I'm not saying that uh, all the bad things in the world are, are, are right. 
I am saying that maybe by looking to injustice to um, with open heart and open mind and open eyes, we can see that injustice has a place in the greater scheme of, of the universe. Um, but here's the thing with, with us humans. We have this wonderful mind that produces thoughts. And we need thought in order to, to learn to, to better ourselves, to take care of ourselves and our families, to work, to learn, to grow. And thought is an invaluable tool for, for humankind. We need thought. The problem is that in some part of this way, we lost track that thought is just a tool and it's never reality. So when we face adversity, we start to create divisions in our minds of what we like and what we don't. And it's humans are very, very funny because we cry out when we see an injustice, but we don't do anything or we are justified when we are the ones committing the injustice. Right? For example, nobody likes theft. Nobody wants to see their things gone by, by a robber. But we've all downloaded illegal songs. So we don't like to steal, but we steal. We don't like to lie, but we lie. So um, when we see something we don't like and, and it's adversity, we try to... to we try to avoid it we, we, we even hate um, this transgression uh, without being clear that it's part of life so when we face adversity Bodhidharma reminds us that we have to be um, we have to remain with an accepting heart because maybe by letting go of what we like, what we don't like, and by letting go of the ego, we might see that maybe adversity or injustice is not such a bad thing because we can learn. It's maybe our motivation to grow, to get out of our comfort zone and, and to move forward, right? Uh, again, I'm not saying that uh, all the bad and the ugly things in, in the human world are right, and by no means I'm condone, condone, condoning them. Uh, I'm just saying that um, we have to be accepting that there, there is hard things in life and that we have to try to make the best of, of them however we can in order to move forward and to, to understand and to let go of our judgments. Uh, and in this way, uh, we enter the path. Um, I think it was Tignat Han who said that without mud there can't be lotus. So the lotus is a beautiful flower that blooms over the mud that of everything that we don't like. We don't like mud. We don't like uh, dirty dirtiness. Uh, we don't want to soil our. So I, I think that's the right word. Uh, we don't like to get our 
clothes dirty with mud because mud is unpleasant. But in order to for the um, lotus flower to grow and to bloom and to be beautiful, it needs to nurture, to be nurtured by mud. So without mud, there is um, there is no lotus. And um, this paragraph of injust about injusting about injustice by Bodhidharma reminds me of that. So uh, understanding that we can be in harmony with things we don't like, we can enter the path. The second, or the other paragraph said, second, adapting to conditions. As mortals, we're ruled by conditions, not by ourselves. All suffering and joy we experience depend on conditions. If we should be blessed by some great reward, such as fame or fortune, it's the fruit of a seed planted in the past. When conditions change, it ends. Why delight in, in its existence? But while success and failure depend on conditions, the mind never waxes nor wanes. Nor wanes. Those who remain unmoved by the wind of joy silently follow when I was chanting Hanya Chingyo uh, a few minutes ago, um, there was this truck in the street selling bread. And this is a very noisy neighborhood. Uh, it's like, um, like a moving uh, market sometimes outside my, my window because there's the guy with the bread, the guy with the bottled water, there's the, um, uh, the guy with corn. We're in Mexico, so we have a lot of corn everywhere, even in the street. Um, there's, guy, there's a guy selling um, corn tortillas all day long. So we, we have noise all day long. And I'm a, 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 a Zen priest, and I, I really like my silence, especially when I'm trying chanting uh, Hanya Shingyo. I, I want silence because I, I want respect for, for, for my, my chanting. However, it was very funny to have this guy selling bread in the loudspeaker outside my, my window while I was chanting because selling bread is part of life. He is um, doing job to earn money to put food on his table, and I do the same. I may not go out and, and scream at people to become a Buddhist, but I do pretty much the same. I, I work. Uh, so, what I did was to simply let go of my ego, let go of thinking, oh my goodness, this is embarrassing. Junda uh, is going to be upset because of the noise. Um, well, I don't know if he was. <laughs> I know, I, I know you, you weren't. But the thing is that if I, for whatever reason, was attached to, the, uh, to my illusion of self, to the illusion of the importance of Hanya Shingyo, I for sure would have been very, very upset and angry because nobody was understanding the importance of my chanting, right? 
So what I did was to let go of that and just adapt. It was funny. It was just uh, maybe a couple of minutes. The guy went went away, and our ceremony uh, went well. Except for the times when I mispronounced my Japanese. But who's looking? So um, in this paragraph, Bodhidharma says that we need to learn to adapt. Means uh, by that is that our thought is a wonderful tool, but the problem with thought is that we get to um, we tend to cling to those things that we like, and we repel and hate all things we don't. Uh, we grab onto what we think is right, our um, our favorite politician, favorite music band, our favorite uh, football team, uh, and, and we create divisions, and we think that we are better than other people, and that's when we get ourselves into problem into problems because we create dukkha. Uh, primarily for us, we are the ones who suffer first, and then we make people suffer because uh, we hold on to uh, our, our opinions. So, um, by adapting, by letting go of the ego, by letting go of uh, our preferences, we remain in total equanimity, and this can only come through uh, or as a result of our dedicated practice of Zasana. Uh, it's not that it's wrong to like things or do not like things. Nobody likes violence, for example, but um, by letting go of our uh, dislike of violence, we might see that we can remain in equanimity so we can do something about it, to not to um, get carried away by emotion because we become very dangerous when we get carried away uh, with emotion in either side you can get carried away by passion or you can get carried away by hate or by love or by sadness going to extremes it's it's not a good business so um, we need to adapt to conditions to let go of ego and preferences and um, to remain unmoved and untouched by how the waves move around us. And that can only come uh, when we have this um, pillar of our practice, which is Zazen. The next paragraph says, says third, Seeking nothing, people of this world are deluded. They're always longing for something, always, in a word, seeking. But the wise wake up. They choose reason over custom. They fix their minds on the sublime and let their bodies change with the seasons. All phenomena are empty. They contain nothing worth desiring. Calamity forever alternates with prosperity. To dwell in the three realms is to dwell in a burning house. To have a body is to suffer. Does anyone with a body know peace? Those who understand this detach themselves from all that exists and stop imagining 
or seeking anything. The sutras say, to seek is to suffer. To seek nothing is bliss. When you seek nothing, you're on the path. <clears throat> we are always chasing for something. From the moment we open our eyes, we are looking to get ready in time for work, for school. We um, have to take care of the family, of our clothes, so we have to clean the house. We have to go to work, we have to get money, we have to buy stuff, we have to pay the rent. It never ends. Um, so I don't think Bodhidharma says that we have to stop seeking things forever. I think he means that we need not to be obsessive about seeking or looking for things. It's all right to have a comfortable life for us and for, for families, but it's dangerous uh, to get obsessed by that because we create dukkha for us and for everybody around us. So um, we have to, to be aware of when um, our little question, everything we do starting to to take a toll on our tranquility, on, on our peace of mind. So it's not that we have to stop seeking things, it's that we have to be mindful that we can get too attached to that or too obsessive about it. And the last paragraph says, fourth, practicing the Dharma. The Dharma is the truth that all natures are pure. By this truth, all appearances are empty. Defilement and attachment, subject and object, don't exist. The sutras say, the Dharma includes not being because it's free from the impurity of being. The Dharma includes no self because it's free from the impurity of self. Those who believe and understand these truths are bound to practice according to the Dharma. And since that which is real includes nothing to be begrudging, they give their body, life, and property in charity, without regret, without the vanity of giver, gift, or recipient, and without bias or attachment. And to eliminate impurity, they teach others, but without becoming attached to form. Thus, through their own practice, they are able to help others and glorify the way of enlightenment. And that's it. And as with charity, they also practice other virtues. But while practicing the six virtues to eliminate, eliminate delusion, they practice nothing at all. This is what, what's meant by practicing the Dharma. So to close, in a wonderful way, Bodhidharma says that to practice the Dharma is to live in the service of all sentient beings. You may have read a thousand books on, on the Dharma, you may have listened to countless teachers and teachings, but um, if you don't engage understanding that we have to engage in uh, practical action, 
with other sentient beings in order to save them, to, to make them get out of Dukkha, to, to provide for them. Um, we might not be understanding the Dharma at all. So it's not that we have to lose it all in order to practice the Dharma. It's just that we have to understand that Buddhism is not just a nice meme on Facebook. Uh, the Dharma is uh, actual practice, is getting your um, sleeves, your shirt sleeves. I don't remember the word. Oh, well, this things made of fabric that cover your arms. You have to roll them, roll them up and uh, to actually go work for the benefit of all sentient beings. Um, will we get enlightened by that? Probably not. But then again, our fourth vow um, that we will chant today says uh, that we have to walk towards enlightenment, but maybe we will never reach it. And that's fine, because what is valuable of walking the, the, the path of the Buddha Dharma is the walk itself, never, never the, the final goal. So the Dharma manifests itself. It goes beyond our preferences. It goes beyond our uh, opinions. It goes beyond our delusion and all the walls we may put to tear us apart. The Dharma encompasses it all. The Buddha is, is everything, is everywhere we, we see. Uh, it's our job to quiet the mind, the mind through our practice and to uh, open up our hearts, our minds, to these realities, and um, maybe it's not an easy path, but it's, it feels right. When you walk this path, you feel at home, because you know that there's nothing lacking uh, in, in this Zen path we walk. And that's all I have for you today, my friends. Thank you very much. Thank you for your patience. I don't know if we have time for some questions. You know, time. Anyone has a question or comment? Or maybe I'm wrong. Please tell me I'm wrong. No, yeah, uh, uh, I, I guess I'll, I'll jump in and say thank you. There was a, a, a beautiful uh, presentation of Bodhidharma. Thank you so much, Kionin. Uh, I want to ask you about uh, one thing. This is the uh, translation by uh, Red Pine, and in the he likes to use the term uh, reason at the start, <coughs> which is actually an unusual choice. Most of the translator translators I've seen use a principle. Um, it's a kind of a hard concept because it's uh, the, in Chinese it's uh, li, which is something like. Um, not a, like reason or philosophy, that's what it sounds like, but it's more like the principle that guides the universe, or the Tao, or the what they say in Star Wars, the Force. And uh, when, you, when you get past uh, all the separate things, the self and the other, and uh, the, the good and the bad, you encounter the great principle of all things, you know, that principle, not the philo philo philosophical. 
So would you comment on that, uh, what this uh, reason or this principle means here? Sure. Well, I think uh, in other translations uh, and in other works by, not only by Red Pine, but by, but by other authors, they try to choose the right words in order to make us understand. And by using reason, he's, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but what I figure is that he's using the words to his American audience because uh, Americans or, or, or Westerners, we try to dissect everything and we like to use the word reason. So I know it might refer to the Tao or something more metaphysical, but um, people get scared when you use those words in him in the West. So he might chose he might have chosen those uh, th that word in, in particularly to make people understand maybe just a little better. Um, but uh, whenever people ask me about translation, I always say that it's our job as uh, students that we should look for different translations of a classic text, because that's the way you, you, you learn. Ancient Chinese or Pali or, or Sanskrit, they are very uh, hard words. They're very, they're very hard languages to understand because one word can mean 10 things or 12 things uh, according to context. So I think Red Pine chose the word reason because of that. Um, we need, as Westerners, we need to dissect reality in tiny bits in order to, to, to understand and maybe try to grasp all the spiritual message in this text by Bodhidharma could be um, a haunting task for, for people approaching to Buddhism for the first time. So I'm, uh, it's just an opinion, I may be wrong, but I think he did it because of that. And again, um, it's a job to look for different translations and to try to, to understand. Uh, um, maybe this is not recent, maybe it means something more profound, like the force. Uh, uh, or the force just took Kilden. <laughs> I was going that when you try to switch this particular, even get a deeper meaning next. So I, th I think that's the reason. Another question? Raise your hand, Anna. Welcome. You're sitting in the dark, uh, so I can't really see, but. Uh, uh, yeah, Brett, go ahead. Yeah, thanks, Jando. Uh, this is to Jando or Kionin or anybody. Um, all the years, and this is probably something we've all encountered, I certainly have, is I've always had an emphasis on practice. And I can sometimes, when I read, uh, whether it, it be scriptures or, you know, even sometimes Reddit threads or uh, things on Tree Leaf, etc., is certainly one of the traps that I can fall into sometimes, and I've seen other people is when the theory can influence our practice as such. When we start thinking and uh, putting the cart before the horse, so to speak. Um, 
you know, I've always put again all my most of my my uh, my energy into practice, um, and I'm just wondering. It was interesting you said about reason and practice. I'm. I guess my question is how 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 do they how what's a healthy way they complement each other? Because I see a lot of people get stuck. They go, oh, I read about this. They may have some insight when they sit, and they go, oh, that's what it was, and then they lose it, and then they want it again, and then it's just sort of like this back and forth, right? So what's like? Wh I guess what's a healthy relationship between practice and reason? At least that's the way I understood it. I mean, that's a question, you know. Um, reason and intellect is a very important part of our practice. Mm -hmm. We need to read books. We need to intellectualize. We need to memorize sometimes. Um, that's a, a part of this practice that you can't deny. But here's the funny thing. The more you study, the more you get into alleys with no way out. Uh, because it's not that the texts are broken or the practice is broken, not at all. Uh, actually, you need a solid knowledge base in order to, to know your dharma, to understand where things come from. But when people ask me this, I say that if you spend two hours reading, you need to spend at least 10 hours sitting in Sasa. Hmm. Because it's when you quiet the mind, when you let go of all the concepts you memorized, of all the Reddit posts and all the opinions, hmm. uh, it's when you let go of all this and when you face yourself towards a wall and embrace silence. It's funny, but that's when you are when you actually start to understand things. It's not that we see us any in order to understand, but when we let go of everything else, uh, we let go of intellect, of time, we let go of our preferences, is that it's when everything starts to make sense. And it can be a long way. It took maybe to really let go of my knowledge of the Four Noble Truths when suddenly I was sitting and, wow, maybe the Buddha was not wrong at all with the Four Noble Truths. I think I may understand it, uh, understand what, what he said. So you can explain the Four Noble Truths to um, someone in the street, but to actually realize them, to, to live with them and for them, that's a different thing, and that can only come uh, when you see it's asset. So, um, how to find a balance between reason or intellect and your practice? Well, practice, see it's asset. You spend two hours reading, spend 10 hours in. Oh, maybe that works for me. Hello? Am I still online? No, yeah. 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 Ah. Thank yes. you very much. Thank you. Other questions? Guys here? Mm -hmm. uh, here. Come here. 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 You gotta come here. You gotta come here. You gotta come here. Gotta <laughs> get the camera here. Hola. Hola. Solo te quería dar las gracias. Y me da mucho gusto que alguien en México también, pues eh, nos, ahora nos comparta sus palabras, <laughs> prácticas. And, and I just wanted to give you a thing. 
And thank you very much. <laughs> Now you want to make me cry. Thank you, Yakshi. <laughs> Any more folks uh, got a question? All right, is that okay then, Kionin? Sure. All right. Kionin, that was, that was just beautiful. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll now uh, have the verse to close the sutras and then we'll have uh, a little short zazen, uh, a little short, uh, uh, yeah, a little short zazen beyond long and short. May the merits of these teachings penetrate into each thing in all places so that we and every sentient being together may realize the Buddha's way. Thank you for joining us for the Tree Leaf Zendo podcast. Tree Leaf is an online practice place for people who cannot easily attend a Zen center due to health, location, work, childcare, or family needs. We provide netcast Zazen, retreats, discussion, Jukai, the support of fellow practitioners, interaction with a teacher, and all other activities of a Zen Buddhist Sangha, all fully online, accessible anytime, anywhere, without charge. Come build the future of online Zen community and practice.